Hey there, podcast listeners. Are you ready to turn your dream of owning a piece of paradise into a reality? Look no further than BVI's Sotheby's International Realty. Whether you're seeking a luxurious beachfront villa, a secluded island retreat, or a stunning waterfront property, BVI Sotheby's International Realty has got you covered. Whether extensive portfolio of exclusive listings in the British Virgin Islands, your perfect piece of paradise awaits. Imagine waking up to breathtaking ocean views, feeling the warm sun or cool breeze and immersing yourself in the vibrant local culture. BVI Sotheby's International Realty opens the door to a life of luxury and serenity in one of the most stunning locations on earth. What sets BVI Sotheby's International Realty apart is their commitment to excellence, attention to detail and personalised service. Their team of experienced real estate professionals will guide you through every step of the buying process, ensuring a seamless and stress-free experience. So if you're ready to invest in your future, to escape in a world of sun, sea and sand, reach out to BVI Sotheby's International Realty today. Visit their website, bvisir.com, to explore their exclusive listings and make your Caribbean dream a reality. Don't wait any longer, your paradise awaits. Contact BVI's Sotheby's International Realty now and let them turn your dreams into a true island escape. Remember, the British Virgin Islands are calling. The advertisement is sponsored by BVI Sotheby's International Realty. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Property subject to availability. Always do your due diligence before making any real estate investments. Happy house hunting. Some people work in nine to five jobs. I am one of the lucky ones. Somehow I landed in the dream job. Welcome to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef. Hi, I'm Lisa Mead and for the past 27 years I've been working on luxury super yachts in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean and my home turf of Australia. I've cooked for royalty, heads of state, celebrities and all walks of life. I'm going to be talking to crew, past charter guests and loads of people that are connected to the global yachting community. We're going to hear amazing fun stories and also lots of useful information and tips. So welcome aboard. Today's guest, Keisha Davis-Barnes, grew up in a place most people dream of visiting for their ultimate vacation. If there's a definition for high achiever, I'm pretty sure Keisha's name would be there. I am so keen to learn more about this talented individual. Welcome to my podcast, Keisha. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I am fantastically fabulous, Keisha. Oh, I love it. That's my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that a little bit later on in our, in our chat. I'm kind of keen to start like, from the beginning, which is probably a good starting point. I know you were born in the beautiful British Virgin Islands, where you're talking to me from right now. But yes. Not only did you grow up in a beautiful place, but you grew up on Peter Island, which is is recognized as being one of the BBI's top resorts. What was that experience like? <laughs> that experience kind of molded me into who I am today. You know, there was obviously some pros and cons. I I had the opportunity to grow up surrounded by luxury and it set my standards as a woman very high. I got to meet a lot of amazing people from a young age. I I got to actually experience um, different types of personalities as I grew up. Um, some of the the cons for me though was you know I had to take a ferry every day to come over to school. It was a half an hour boat ride to and from. 
I had to, I didn't get to experience a lot of the things that other children experienced on the main island because um, at 3.30 when school was ended, I had probably like 15 minutes to catch the ferry and go back over to Peach Island. So um, my social skills were a bit, you know, not there <laughs> because I didn't get to experience a lot of cheerleading and all that stuff. But on the other hand, I, I got to go to the pool. I got to um, be in the kitchen with all the top chefs. I, I got to be in the laundry. I got to make beds i got to do a lot of things that a lot of um now talk teenagers probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do uh, i also got to travel with the um the owners of peter island and their kids wow yeah, it, it was really a really good experience for me growing up as a girl on peter island where did you go to with with the owner and the and his and their kids i i went to switzerland I went to Suriname and I've been like to in Washington DC and in Vancouver in the US. Keisha, that's amazing. What what experiences yeah. for a young kid, let alone an adult for that matter. And I was just happy to get away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. I, I have not been to any of the places that you just mentioned. I guess I should yeah. ask, what was the reason for, for being raised on Peter Island? Was it family land or was it parents that were working there? Uh, my dad um, was the chief engineer there, and as a chief engineer, you had to actually live there. So when my dad got that position, we, my sisters and I, relocated to to um to Peter Island. Wow, that is so cool. I mean, I've been there many, many times, and oh, to to actually They're like live there, that would be incredible. <laughs> They're actually coming back bigger and better, and I can't wait to see what they come with. Absolutely. I think we're we're all so excited to see what changes. I know when I'm on charter and we drop anchor off Dead Man's Bay, I, I, I sort of gaze over and see things ticking along in the right direction with all the new construction. So as a girl, I used to go to Desmond Bay all the time and learn how to pull a sail so that I can get bonito to fish and then sit on the dock sometimes with my dad and fish and go, you know, jacks. I don't know if you know that type of fish and clean it yes. and then go fry it and oh. Really good times. That is so yeah. cool. So I guess when you're sitting on that on on the beach or you're playing around on Peter Island, what mm-hmm. did young Keisha dream of being? Not necessarily what you you ended up doing, but what was what was a young dream of yours? I actually wanted to be a professional tennis player. Wow, <laughs> that is amazing. Were you were you playing yeah. tennis as a kid? Yeah, I, I learned to play tennis um, on Peach Island. One of my first gifts I can remember my dad buying for me that meant so much was a um, a tennis racket called Prince Pro brand. And a lot of persons would come to Peter Island just to play tennis. And I learned how to play tennis. And listen, it was amazing. And, wow. And, you know, yeah, that was amazing for me. <laughs> Do you keep up the tennis these days? I wish I can. I'm sh- well, I know how busy yeah. you are, so chances yeah. it would be pretty slim, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you finish school, high school. What what happens to Keisha after that? Well, Keisha finished high school. I was still living in Peter Island, obviously, and I um I my, my parents built a house in Tortola. So I wanted to actually feel what it would be like to, you know, be free. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I do mean free. Yeah, so yes. um, I, I worked at this place called Social Development for one year, and then I went off to university in the U.S. Um, I spent four years in at university, and after graduating from university with a bachelor's degree in hospitality management, I was supposed to come back home, but I don't know what it is about me. I'm this free 
spirited person and I, I remember telling my dad, I'm like, listen, I I wanna go with um some of the the children at school at the university, they're going on an international tour to China and to Thailand and I wanna be able to go. And he was like, Go ahead, you know, you need wow. to be able to explore the world. So I did that for six months. I actually went to learn how to cultivate rice, how to make um fabric that we make our clothing with. Um, how to carve um, your initials in furniture and, you know, these different cultures and have a much more so of an appreciation for life and knowing that it's not only, you know, Tortola in the U.S., but there's whole this whole big world out there that I haven't experienced yet. So I took six months off after I graduated from university and I did that. And then I came back home and started my career. You never cease to amaze me. Just when I think I might have a handle on what you've been doing, you just blow my mind yeah. with something else. So- yeah. Southeast Asia is one of my favourite destinations to go to. I- I'm I'm so Beautiful. glad you had a chance to see it. Yeah. What were what were some highlights other than the reason that you were there? But were there any special moments that stand out to you? Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> I had an opportunity to go and visit a golden Buddha and to be able to sit with some monks for one week. I never understood what it meant to not have anything to say for an entire week because <laughs> I'm a bit chatty, you know, um, but but I learned self-discipline. I learned how to appreciate Keisha for who Keisha is. And I learned that there's so many things about us that we actually haven't had the time to to tap in as young Keisha and, and how to be able to understand that I am fantastically fabulous, which is one of the reasons I started the brand as well, and, and be able to, to understand and recognize that every one of us are designed differently and that's okay. Um, you know, and, and we have to learn to 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 be able to sit in quiet and just enjoy nature, enjoy peace. Did you break Some at any point during that never. week where you weren't allowed to speak? On Wednesday. <laughs> 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 in the middle, I, I, I started to cry here. I mean, oh my God, I got to get out of here. Like my mind is racing like I'm going crazy <laughs> or something. But there was always this like the monks were always around, you know, and since they were doing it, they kind of like give you the look and then like they knew that something was going on with you. Yeah. And they gave you the look and, you know, and you just kind of bring yourself back. And there's some of the things that I had to eat. It was like, oh, but I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're making me get the vibe of the movie Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. I don't know if you saw that movie. I've never seen So this woman goes on a bit of a self-discovery tour after things fall apart with uh, a relationship, but she starts off in Italy and at some point she goes to, I think she went to Thailand but she she does no I think it was India and she she mm-hmm. goes and does the whole thing where you go to a, a temple and you're not allowed to speak and she struggled mm-hmm. big time with that situation but I just felt like I was uh, listening to you being part of that film for a minute. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah, incredibly. It's it's very hard and it it was very long, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't was know telling that I my could husband. Yeah, I was telling my husband, I think I can do good in jail. He started to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you obviously were drawn to the culinary and hospitality uh, field, which led you to the position that you currently have, which is the Director of mm-hmm. Culinary and Hospitality Studies at H. Laverty Stout Community College. Yes. That's got to be a pretty intense role. What, what would be some of the pros and cons in that position? Well, I like to start with the positive. The pros sure. is that I I get to 
put my hand, you know, in creating the human resources necessary to fill an industry that I'm absolutely passionate about. I get to see the seeds that I sow um, grow and blossom into beautiful things. I also get to experience different types of friendships with the students, even after they leave and the connection that I have with them. It's always when they see me, they're always so happy and I'm always so happy to find out, you know, what they're doing and things of that nature. And um, I work in an environment where in BVI, we have a lot of expats. So I'm privileged to be able to work with a lot of locals and you know to be able to help them to actually see their potential as well to help them to grow because under no circumstances i want to be the director for probably 10 years i want to be able to 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 create a platform where somebody else could come in and probably take a take over from me and, and build and grow the program more um i get to meet people like you lisa i get to yes. meet a lot of persons who is just as passionate as I am. And we can sit and talk for hours about all of the great things that we can do and the, the possibilities are endless and, and the relationships that we can build. My One of the cons, though, um, of working in my position is that it takes up a lot, lot of my time. And I, <laughs> I really would have liked us at the college should be in a, a bit of financial position to be able to get all of the things that that's necessary to be able to elevate the program where I see it. Right. Um, but I think that's a, a, a con for everyone. Um, uh, another con that I have is that, you know, the, we have Tortola, Virgin Goda, Justin Dyke, and Annie Gata. We have a campus in Virgin Goda and we are just now elevating and, you know, being able to introduce more sort of culinary lab components in a VG center. But I want to be able to, I can't reach my people in Justin Dyke and Annie Gata. And, and it, it's somewhat, you know, it hurts me knowing that I am not there yet, but I'm hoping that I would get there. So that's a con for me, being able to know that I have so much potential on those other two islands and I can't tap into it yet. Right. But I'm hoping that, you know, that somehow somebody sponsors somebody and we get to be able to to have the same standard across the territory in terms of being offer, um, being able to offer the resources that persons would be able to, you know, learn the skill the correct way. How long has the culinary studies been available through the college? How many years do you think? Um, I I think probably I will say ten years. Ten years, yeah, yeah. It, it has evolved a lot, though. Um, the European Union is the one that funded the culinary arts center, so I think that was in twenty twenty twelve when that happened, and we have a, we've had a lot of great directors previously. Um, director Neil Klein, um, Gorvi, um, Henry. You know, the, I think those are the two, and there was one other person and myself. So yeah, about you know, ten it's, years. It, it's interesting. I've I've been in the territory for quite a few years now, before the mm -hmm. the the college created that course and in that time I've seen such a huge change in the hospitality here just within the British Virgin Islands you know whether yeah. it's you know uh, chefs or wait staff mm -hmm. bartenders I'm mm -hmm. I'm so impressed by what mm -hmm. what is coming out of the school it really is fantastic 
Thank you. Um, one of the things that I did was I um I changed the curriculum a bit because I keep telling persons you know, being educated isn't only about academia. You know, you have to be a well-rounded person. So I kind of changed the curriculum to be able to 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 in encompass some of those soft skills that's necessary in our industry. Because a lot of people say, oh, teach customer service. I really, really, Lisa, believe that service comes from within you. Yes. You have to yes. want to do it. And in order for you to be able to want to give great service, you have to understand your own self first. So we do a lot of self-searching and stuff like that, like on the off days. But a curriculum was designed that if you want to be able to go off to university, you can do that. However, if you want to be able to open your own business, you can also do that. So I added a whole entrepreneurial component of it. And I've also seen since the pandemic that persons don't really want to sit in a classroom for two years to get a degree. Um, They want to be able to, to have a special skill set. So we offered um certification courses that is uh, a one-year course and the students get to actually go out in the field and be able to, to demonstrate and practice what they've learned in the classroom. Perfect. And that has been going really well for us. This year has been great for culinary. We had uh, the top part-time student was culinary. The top workforce student was culinary. Top industry award was culinary wow not, not even that in the high schools two of the ten, out of the 10 students um that topped the territory were culinary and they all came from technical so i mean you can see that the conversation is shifting a bit towards the culinary field and hospitality field and i'm very proud of that and i want to be able to you know give my all to that so that you know the industry can grow so that we could be the best that is so fantastic. I have I have a question. For those out there, whether it's a home cook somewhere in the British Virgin Islands or maybe it's in my industry, it's it's a new um, yacht chef that's maybe never really cooked before but the, the partner's a captain and dragged them onto a boat with virtually no knowledge of, of cooking. So they're in the mm-hmm. sort of the budget style of chartering. Do mm-hmm. you provide like, you know, short courses or weekend courses to teach basic skills like, you know, knife skills or just being a little bit better at understanding cuisine? Um, it's something that we have thought about and we are thinking about doing we- weekend classes coming next semester. The only thing is that, you know, there's only so many of us in the center and, you know, work-life balance is very important for me yes. and, and for the persons that I manage. So um, I, I was thinking that we started our sushi class. We started tart making classes on the weekend. Um, we started bread making, how to ice in a cake. And, and it's always so full, Lisa. I bet. To the point where one of them have 47 persons on a waiting list. And every time I look at the waiting <laughs> list and... I said to the chefs, y'all have to help me because these people see me in town and, and they're giving me the look. So <laughs> it, 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 there is a big demand out there. And I was thinking that maybe I should bring on some part-time persons that have the skills yes. and see if we could kind of make it. I want to be able, one of my goals is to have a culinary arts series, performing arts series at the college. And it's going to be on the weekends because people are looking for things to do and they want to elevate that whole cooking skill. So um, we already have planned for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of those things. So, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Coming on mm-hmm. I, I I could see that being extremely popular. Yeah. Um, I, I guess this is a, a good question to ask because a lot of people obviously know of the beautiful British Virgin Islands, but maybe they don't quite know what the cuisine is here. What, what would you describe as traditional British Virgin Islands cuisine? 
Well, we have our um, national dish, which is fungi and fish. Um, fungi is the cornmeal consistency, you know, something like mashed potato, I will say, but um, our fish is steamed with onions and in you know, a butter sauce. And over the years, I've seen it transition, like persons do mayonnaise sauce, you know, put the mayonnaise in the sauce and whip it up. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I have seen... Because um, in our country, we have a, a lot of persons that come in from different parts of the world. We have seen now that we have had a lot of restaurants emerge, like, you know, the, the Italian restaurants. We have seen um, a lot of sushi come on the market. We have seen a lot of Japanese, Chinese, every, a bit of everything has, you know, kind of changed for us. But our, our cuisines, it's steadfast and I would love to see it elevated a little bit more in terms of adding some sort of flair to to the fungi and some sort of um, different types of spices to the fish and stuff like that. I, I am looking for a kind of new twist to it, but it's, it's really delicious. If you haven't had it yet and you come to the Vaginals, you just make sure that you really try all fungi and fish. It is the best in my it opinion. is, and I have tasted mm -hmm. it. You know, there's somebody. Have you had mayonnaise? Sorry, have you had oh, mayonnaise sauce, Lisa? Oh yes, yes. Oh my god, that thing is to <laughs> die for. It is. It is amazing. Yeah. You know, somebody mm -hmm. who I'm really impressed by, and um, when Imran Ashton had his restaurant uh, at Prospect Reef, he um, Plum Rose. Yes, I yeah. I used to have a um a TV show that we filmed here in the British Virgin Islands where I'd highlight mm -hmm. the chefs of the BBI. And mm -hmm. I had him on a couple of episodes, but he, I think, got the closest to what I think is a fusion modern BVI cuisine. The dishes that mm -hmm. he put out for us were just so mm -hmm. spectacular. Presentation, flavours, I was so impressed. I mean, I could really mm -hmm. see, you know, a future where it's a, a fusion of the BVI flavours with other countries and it it would be incredible. Yeah, and one is really great. He worked um he was an instructor with us um, at the college um, yes. and he he has a passion for cooking. And you know the funny thing, Lisa? I taught Emron at Neki. <laughs> Neki oh. was in New England Culinary Institute and it was attached to HLSCC. And I remember, I, I think I taught him one class because he was getting ready to graduate. So he's just like one of those persons that you see grow and blossom into what he is today. And he's a really good chef. Yes, yeah. incredible. Definitely. Yeah. Now, you aside from being the director of the culinary school, you also run a training development company called After mm -hmm. You Tourism Development Company. Can you mm -hmm. tell us what that's about? Well, After You Tourism Innovation <laughs> is a company. Well, what happened to me, Lisa? This is another story that you're gonna <laughs> probably drop your drop your lips on. I worked at the college for 14 years before now. Yes. I worked there for 14 years and one day I was sitting and I was like, you know, I'm doing this. I was a, I was an instructor at the time. I was like, I am doing this job with my eyes closed and I'm bored. So here I am. I became, I decided to become intentionally uncomfortable with myself and do something outside of the scope of what I was doing before. Yes. So I resigned from my position and I applied for a position at the BVI Health Services Authority, which is the second largest employer in the Virgin Islands, the BVI government being the first. Right. And I went there. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I, I was the training and development coordinator. And 
I was like, this should be easy. Um, it's just like teaching a class. But little did I know that I was the person that had to develop the trainings, be able to be on the go everywhere, have all of these people in the room and doing a lot of different things. It was this guy from Amsterdam. And he's, he, I had to do new employee orientation. I would never forget it. And he, he knows me from nowhere. And after the orientation, he came up to me and he was like, you know, I have been all over the world and this is the best orientation that I have ever been to. Wow. And it's, it, it took me aback. I was like, here's this guy that I don't even know telling me how great this was for him. And I asked him a question, Hemi, exactly what part of it was great for you? He said, other than the fact the information was very um, good, it, it, it was you. You brought it to life. You didn't know me. You you incorporated and made it everybody feel as if, you know, they were actually welcome in this organization and that this was the best place to work. And he said, it takes a, a special kind of skill to be able to do that. He said, even when we were falling asleep, you would snap your fingers and everybody was like, come <laughs> on, you know? And I stayed there for two years and... I was really uncomfortable, Lisa, but in my uncomfortableness, I learned uh, uh, this amazing skill of the entire training and development um, of, of persons. And I decided that after Hurricanes Armor, I, I was a bit in a slum, you know, I had to, my kids had to leave me and with my kids not being here, it caused me to really be, you know, very sad. And I had to find my next best thing uh, yes. until my kids got back. So I, I decided to, to leave, <laughs> to leave the um, BVI Health Services Authority, not knowing what I was going to do. I could remember that day, Claire, I sat in the car and I punched out on my last day and I was like, God, out of my steps, because I really don't know what to do next. I just know that I don't want to be here and I know that I want to do something new. Wow. And I, <laughs> I I came home and I told my dad, my dad is like, are you nuts? You you quit a job and don't have a job, Hemi. Yeah, I'm nuts, I guess. He's like, so what are you going to do now, Hemi? Well, I feel like I have perfected the skill of training people. I really believe that I have a lot to do in terms of the contribution of the professional development of persons. So I am going to open a business. So he was like... One thing that I know about you, Keish, is that anything that you say you're going to do and you put your mind to it, you're going to do it. Tell me, yes, Dad. So I just need like $20,000. He's, like, yeah. huh. <laughs> He's like, I said, I can use some of my money that I got from when I left the hospital. And if you could match it for me, I would be so grateful. And and my dad always believed in me. So he matched it for me. And I I started to say, well, I would have to have a niche market. And I was like, well, tourism is my thing. So it has to be training and development in that area. Yes. Um, I I was also a certified hospitality trainer. I think I'm still the only certified hospitality trainer in Tortola or in the Virgin Islands. So wow. I, I I used those skills as well. And I designed a company called After You Tourism Innovation, where when I marketed the company through Higher BVI, they had a um an expo um at the at the park. Parsons was just gravitating to the brand and things just started to happen for me. Like I didn't even know how to manage all these things. I kind of learned on my way. Yes. And 
I, I found that in BVI, a lot of persons didn't really understand the importance of professional development. We, we kind of have the culture that I have a job, I don't need to do anything else. Right. So that was one of the challenges that I had. But my sister, Najla, she used to work at Scrub Island. She was our exec over there. And she was like, Keish, let's do this. You do this part and I'll do this part. And then we just started to build a brand like that. And fortunate for us, it is not so heavily supported in the Virgin Islands, but more so in St. Kitts and St. Vincent and St. Lucia, those places. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, our clientele is more in 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 those islands and we are doing very well um sometimes i have to you know be able to kind of figure out how am i going to do this how i'm going to do that but one thing that covid has taught me is that technology is the ruler of all things like you can do anything through technology if you learn to maneuver it properly so it has been good to me and right now my my my, my because of the design that we have for our company is kind of on autopilot and it's just like I'm making money in my sleep and I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely the way to go. Now, yeah. if, if all of that isn't enough, um, for the f- past five years, you've been serving on the BVI Tourist Board of Directors. What yeah. what does that entail? A lot of board meetings, <laughs> a <laughs> lot of decision making. Um, I have been there five, going on six years now. I just... I was selected to rejoin the board because after every four years, there's a um, a new board put in place and I was the only person to get back on from the old board on this new board. Wow. And I have been sitting there. We went through a lot of transition. First transition is what do you do after a catastrophic hurricane, Alma and Maria? Yes. We had I mean, to be able to. <laughs> gosh, that must just have been horribly difficult to just navigate through that i'm telling you it 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 was one of the things that that i got to be a part of that i'm proud of in terms of you know let's see how we can help persons let's see how we can bring back you know the communities let's see what we can do uh, with our tourism expertise to be able to do what's necessary to get a country back and running you know And, and sometimes we did things that weren't even tourism related because at that time it's just like we were all on a grind because that hurricane was like a monster if that wasn't bad enough here i am sitting on the board again going through a pandemic yeah i mean you you just when you go back in time you know 50 years 60 years from now and in the history books people are just going to say seriously they they went through all of that all of that yes so it's incredible through a pandemic and obviously, you know, coming out of the pandemic, the entire tourism industry has shifted and the things that made sense before no longer make sense now. So you have to kind of you know, shift your mentality and, and make decisions about opening up the country and, and training and development. I don't know if you know this, we, um, the Gold Seal program um, derived out of an idea that I had with the Minister of Education, still the Minister of Education, Shari, Honorable Shari Bidi Castro. She, I was like, I met her in the parking lot. I was like, honey, if we're going to open back up this country, persons need to be able to be trained so that they can know what to look for and how we can elevate our service excellence when we welcome people back to the shores because um, at, at this time, a lot of persons, they don't know what to expect and we have to be able to at least ease it in with the whole training and then we have the opening and then we have a plan so we could get ourselves back together. Um, so those 
those are some of the things that that happened um, through the board with with myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And talk about a high achiever. There's still more because you've created your own <laughs> brand called Fantastically Fabulous Too. By the way, um, mm-hmm. I love this name. Tell me more yes. about that. Well, Fantastically Fabulous came from, you know, I remember me early in the conversation told me about being sitting for a whole week in silence with the monks. And <laughs> I it, 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 it kind of derived from there because I was sitting there one day and I was like, if I am sitting here, trying to figure myself out, thinking that I was already figured out and I knew exactly what was happening. How many other persons who probably might not have this experience, how are they going to to be able to to understand self and motivate self and be the best version of self? So I was like, you know, I it took me a long time, Lisa, to be able to to come on this platform because my son was at the time he was like oh mom you have so many great inspirational stories and motivation you should go on tiktok Kemi, what the heck is tiktok <laughs> he's like, hey, is it facebook he's like no tiktok Kemi. so he taught me <laughs> he taught me how to 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 maneuver tiktok and stuff like that but this this brand is a, a brand that motivates people to be unapologetic for who they are as individuals and to live your life boldly because really and truly we don't know when our last breath is lisa totally. and i want persons to in it's not all the time we feel good about things, but to be able to appreciate where we are and be able to do the things necessary to get us to where we need to be. And sometimes I I I am a bit silly, so I tell a little joke here and there um <laughs> on my on my on my TikTok. And you know, one of the great things is that I see persons who see me in town in a town area and there's like, where's the feed? Where is the motivation? And I was like, oh my God, people <laughs> actually waiting on the motivation. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, this brand has really, it, it has helped. A lot of people think that I'm doing it for them, but I am doing it for me, Lisa, because sometimes I need to motivate my own self and the things that I motivate others about are things that I probably currently experiencing at that particular time. So that that brand, I, I see it like in five years, I see myself creating a platform the more so for girls to be able to come into a safe place to learn themselves because I really, really deeply feel like it is best to build a goal than it is to repair a woman. And I want to be able to to, to have that opportunity to create this beautiful platform through Fantastically Fabulous that helps girls to understand, you know, who they are and about setting standards and being okay to make mistakes or learning from them and just, you know, create a, a pool of really awesome girls that grow up to be Fantastically Fabulous Fabulous women. That's what I really, really want to do. Perfectly said. Now, when you're not busy with all of this, how do you balance um, marriage to your childhood sweetheart, raising two kids that I know are, are, are older now? But how do you balance work and private life? What's What's your secret? I'm very organized. Ah. Uh, yeah, I, I plan things to the T and, and understand that sometimes my plans won't go as um, as I have planned. But one of the things that I always do is that I wake up early at 4.30 every morning. So 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning is my time to sit and to reflect and to appreciate. Um, I also make sure that within the seven days that I go to my happy place at least once a week which is a beach. At the beach, I get to sit again in quiet, put my foot down in the sand, listen to nature, 
hear the ocean speak to me and be content and kind of re-energize myself for everything else that's going to happen for the rest of the week. So I organize my days and I enjoy all the little things because at the end of the day, Lisa, the little things make up big things. And, and I don't think that people understand that. I always make time for me and I always self-motivate myself. You know, I, I lost my dad recently and I'm actually yes, I'm on so this sorry. journey. Thank you. I'm on this journey to be able to 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 motivate people to through grief. To I wanted to share my experience with them in case somebody's struggling with it too. I, I think so, that's so important, Keisha. I mean, a lot of times yeah. we suffer in silence with our grief mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, you maybe you don't want to burden others with it or you're just not coping with what you're dealing with. And for you yeah. to be able to step out and say, listen, this is how I cope. This is how I get through the day. I think yeah. it's just gold. It's yeah. it's so yeah. important. You know, Lisa, yesterday was my, would have been my dad's birthday. Ugh. And my sister post, I, I wasn't ready, you know, yeah. <laughs> I clicked on her WhatsApp feed and then I heard his voice and it was like, I, the tears were just rolling Ugh. down my eyes. But after I cried to tell you the truth, I felt so much better. Yes. Like I had this opportunity to let things out more, you know, because my a- dad was a very person and he wouldn't want me to be sad trust me yes <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and crying, yeah crying is good crying is healthy I mean I think yeah. you know sometimes we feel like we're not allowed to be emotional but it like you said you felt better afterwards you you know release that um sad energy and 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 then you listen to what your dad was saying which is mm-hmm. cheer up you know I'm a happy mm-hmm. person yeah mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic he was probably having a party and I'm down here crying. <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> On our podcast, we chat about food and travel. Have there been any amazing standout dining experiences that you've had overseas that you just think about and go, oh, my God, that was amazing? Yeah. I went to St. Vincent and the Grenadines once and I went with my dad. <laughs> oh. And we went, I don't even think, it was a restaurant, Lisa. He said it was a restaurant, but I don't think that it was a restaurant. <laughs> it was in this cave. Really? And yeah, it was, it was, uh, we were driving through the cave and he's like, okay, so he had a part to park, to park a car. So I parked the car and then we walked back. And then there are like these little huts with tables and we sat there in a cave, you know, and I was, I was like, I was a bit scared because I was like, why the hell is my dad taking me <laughs> to eat in a cave? But I was like, trust the process, Keisha. But we went there and apparently my dad, you know, he's, he was from St. Vincent. So he knew the people there. So we sat at the table and here comes this guy bringing out this soup. My dad was like, don't ask what it is. I was like, okay, I trust you. <laughs> So I had this amazing soup, Lisa. For some reason, it was green. And I'll tell you what it was. And you'll know why it was green for some reason. <laughs> and they had sweet potatoes and tanya and dashing and and and, and dumplings and this Ooh. meat. I, I look at the meat and I'm looking at him, you know, because my dad knows, you know, I'm very adventurous. And he wouldn't stop laughing. I'm like, what the hell are you <laughs> laughing, you know? So... I sat there and I and and I ate the soup. I was like, "Bar Daddy, this 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 soup really tastes nice. I could get another one, right?" Yes. He's like, "I am going to tell you what it is before you ask for another one." Ah. Hemi, okay. He's like, "It's iguana." Hemi, what? Are you kidding me? 
Anyway, oh I, my I god! Iguana, like the iguana we passed coming in the cave. He's like, yeah, like that. <laughs> but it was so. If he told me that before, Lisa, trust me, I wasn't going to eat no. it. That experience was amazing, and the soup was so good. That is so cool. Yeah, see the point where I tell people I think I want to go back to that cave and have <laughs> some iguana soup. My sister's like, you're so nasty, Hemi. Don't bump it until you try it, honey. It tastes just like like to me a mixture of fish and chicken all together that's what the, the meat tasted like to me that is amazing you know I, I've, I've certainly i'm sure when you were in asia you tried some pretty crazy stuff i i have yeah. in vietnam um but boy that takes the cake with the iguana that's definitely up there for interesting soups i have to say yeah yeah <laughs> now, what, crazy. What, oh gosh <laughs> what countries are on your list dream list to go visit that uh so different from where you're based. What what would you really love to go to? I want to go to Colombia. I have to go there. Yes. I want to go to Brazil and nice. I want to go to Fiji. Fiji. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. That I can I can tell you Fiji is amazing and definitely do it. It's beautiful, spectacular. Oh. It reminds me quite a bit of the British Virgin Islands, but yeah. Mm. Uh, would you recommend two- that I go by myself or go with my husband? I don't do it with your husband. It's definitely a romantic place to go. Yeah. I'm definitely it- going Colombia without him. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil. I I would I, I've neither I've not been to Brazil or Colombia, but um I think well, yeah, Colombia it I mean this is a silly question. I'm sure it's safe if you go to the right areas. Yeah. Um, my cousin went there and she was like, she had all of these amazing stories. And I was like, man, I got to go there. She made it sound like heaven. Wow. Um, she, uh, but more so we like to eat, you know, being in culinary. So I wanted to be able to go to experience all the different nooks and crannies of Colombia and all those cuisines that I, I, I probably haven't tried yet, but I really want to try. Great yeah. idea. And mm. speaking of color, culinary cuisines, um, this is a question that I pose to a lot of my guests on the podcast. You're you're holding a dinner party for it could be famous people, people who've had a big influence on your life. They could be living or dead. Who would be at that dining table, and what would you cook for them? Hmm. Ah. <laughs> my dad for sure. My yes. dad, yes, Mayo Angelo. Wow, Arthur Ashe. I don't know if you know who that is. Do you know who Arthur Ashe is? The name is familiar. How do I know? First first black um, professional tennis player. Tennis player. player. That's what it was. Yes. Beres Hammond. Wow. Queen Latifah. Wow. And Tupac Shakur. Oh, I would would happily serve the food at that table. (laughs) That that sounds insane. Wow. What a good mix. What, What are you feeding them? I am feeding them curried goat with milk, with coconut milk. Yum. Rice and peas, fried plantain, um, a beautiful green salad. And I am going to also be making them a famous, famous, we call it dukona in this country, but I've made dukona into a dessert. So I'm going to make a dukona pie. What's a dukona pie? Uh, so dukana is sweet potatoes, coconut. Uh, you grate the sweet potato, you grate the coconut, um, something called a tanya, brown yes. sugar, a little bit of um, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and then you, you, you wrap it in foil uh, or in banana leaf. 
and you you boil it and when it when it to make the pie you're gonna take um some crust you make it crust and then you put the pie the the mixture in there and you press it down and you burn caramelized sugar on it and then you serve it with some ice cream oh my god that sounds unbelievably delicious yeah do they, that's what we're gonna they, have do they sell it in restaurants in the bbi um, or only it- around easter Around, around Easter, Easter. yeah, it's more so. I think from um Antigua and Bermuda, Saint Vincent, you know, around Easter time, people make right. it a lot, with, and you eat it with saltfish. Yum! Gosh, that yeah. sounds so good. I have, have to, to make one up. for you, Lisa. Oh, I would eat that in a heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it even tastes good the next day. Like you could put it in the fridge, and you could just oh. eat it. It's really good. Could you have it with like creme anglaise, like cold custard? With- yeah, you could. Yeah. Oh, it's going to yeah. be extra sweet, but because some yeah. people make it really sweet. I know someone puts raisin in there, but raisin isn't raisins aren't my thing, so I won't put raisins in there. You would you'd skip the raisins. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see Tupac Shakur like what is what is this? <laughs> like, <just eat> it. <laughs> oh my god, that that table it just sounds so amazing. Wow. How can people follow you on social media or any websites that you have to, to learn more uh, about all what we've talked about today? Everything. Fantastically yeah. Fabulous 2. www.fantasticallyfabulous2. Um, my email address is fantasticallyfabulous2 at gmail.com. Uh, my TikTok name is fantasticallyfabulous2. Um, if it's for my business, it's after you, tourism innovation.com. Um, and at the college, it's kdavis at hlscc.edu.vg. Keisha, you are incredible. I mean, aside from everything you've done from a work point of view, just, just learning more about you today is just blowing my mind. I mean, you're incredible. And I certainly think anyone Thank out you. there that's listened to this today needs to follow up and, and touch base on what they feel could assist them with what we've talked about because there's got to be something there for everybody for sure. You're an amazingly busy lady and I'm so grateful for the time that you took today to chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate, you know, speaking with you as well. And, you know, Lisa, off the record, for the first time, when when I met you at the first time, I was like, hmm, she's interesting. I would like to get to know her. I would really like to sit and like spend the day with her. Like, she looks like she's a lot of fun. Anytime. And I I didn't say this to you, but when we were at Bell's. Yes. um, At Beans, at Beans on the pear pack, I was like, huh. She's pretty fantastically fabulous herself. Oh, thank yeah. you. I think you just made my day. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try one of your recipes off of your cookbook. I have it right here. Oh, so yes, yes. Today's dinner is going to be on you. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I'm going to open that book and wherever my hand lands, that's what we're going to have. I want you to do a video <laughs> on your TikTok of that. All right. That will be really good. I'll show your book and I'll big you up on my TikTok feed. I I would appreciate it. And we'll definitely have to catch up soon for a fantastically fabulous chat. Of course. Thank you so much for (laughs) taking your time and inviting me to this amazing podcast. I appreciate it. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Thank you. Before I go, if you'd like to hear more information on today's podcast or you have any questions at all for me, you can contact me at my website, lisamead.com, L-I-S-A-M-E-A-D.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can even follow me at Chef Lisa Mead on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Chef Lisa Mead, and you've been listening to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef.